Hello, kings and queens and in-between sinner saints, and I don't know if I is or I ain't. Welcome to another wonderful episode of Yash Jesus! It's me, Danny Franzese, your host, and as always, I'm here with my bestie... Azariah Southworth. That's right, come on in, make yourself comfortable, because here at Yash Jesus, we believe... God knows you by name, even if your name is changing, honey. Yes, God gives you one name, and that name is Child of God. So don't worry. Change your name if you want. What's in a name, Azzy? I don't know, but you better say it. You better scream it. You better (laughs) shout it from the rooftops. I know. Well, let's get right into it. Today's episode, you guys. We're going to go right into coming to us from the Associated Press. The Southern Baptist denomination is divided. Go figure over politics, race and LGBTQ policy. So the Southern Baptist Convention Convention, their divisions are over race, politics, gender and LGBTQ issues are roiling what is known as the largest American Protestant denomination. So outside of Catholicism, Southern Baptist Convention is the largest body of Christians. Okay. And they are having a meeting this uh, this February. Some of the items on their agenda are recommending that a church in Kennesaw, Georgia, be ousted from the Southern Baptist Convention because it accepted LGBTQ people in its congregation. That's one of the items. This is so crazy to me, Ezzy, because like it's the most ultimate sin to tell someone they can't have God. Like I can't mm-hmm. believe that mm-hmm. these people are believers. Yeah. So it was a married couple with some kids who showed up at this Kennesaw, Georgia. I'm not sure if I'm saying that town's name right. So I apologize, Ken- Kennesaw, if I'm saying it wrong. Kennesaw, Kennesaw, Kennesaw. And, but a married couple showed up at this church and wanted to participate in the church and begin worshiping, just simply attend. And they're, they're an LGBTQ couple. And the pastor said, yes, you can attend, you can join us and worship with us. And the Southern Baptist Convention headquarters in Nashville, Tennessee, taking up six city blocks, mind you, because power and money, honey. Uh, Well, you know, they kind of saw some gay people and they didn't like it. I hate that. (laughs) I kind of saw some gay people walk in here. And who was the Christian Karen that reported them, by the way? Like, it was okay with the pastor. You know, one of our good friends of the podcast... Um, was recently fired from her Lutheran church because she, uh, someone, a Karen, found out, if I can use that term, uh, found out that she was a lesbian, reported to the board, and then got her fired. So this is happening all over our country. Right now, the, as, as we're talking about right now, the Southern Baptist Convention is dealing with it internally. Um, and it's coming up in one of their uh, meetings in February of where they're going to dispel this church. But uh, the letter that was sent to this church from the Southern Baptist Convention was very political. I thought you were going to say bitchy. I thought you were going to say bitchy. <laughs> I was ready for it. It is bitchy, too. The wording of this letter is actually this. It is not in friendly cooperation with the SBC. And the pastor of this church uh, talked about how even if they were meeting nine out of the ten requirements of the SBC, it's still not good enough for the SBC. They want you to be in lockstep with them, with their dogma and with their toxic theology. I'm going to call it out. And if you're not, you are not in 
friendly cooperation. And one of the other items that's on their agenda for this big meeting in February is that Reverend Russell Moore, who heads up their ethics arm, their ethics committee on a national level, is uh, being threatened to be fired or ousted because he has been outspoken against Donald Trump and his abuses. Um, so that's what's going on with the SBC, honey. Okay, but aren't aren't churches supposed to be like uh, non-biased? Like they're supposed to be able, like not uh, pick a political affiliation, technically. So they cannot campaign for any political leader, right? And that means they cannot use the capacity of their 501c3 or the Oh, but pulpit. they can be in friendly cooperation with one. Right. right. <laughs> you can be in friendly cooperation with a campaign or an ideology anyways. but mm, How convenient. Right. right. So it's, you know, as, as we report what's going on with the SBC, let's also keep them in our prayers um, yes. because obviously it's a, it's, it's a, it's part of the body of Christ that is looks like it's fracturing over issues of recognizing someone else's humanity, but also over issues of calling out what is wrong, wrong. Donald Trump, who he, what he has done is wrong. And Russell Moore has been right to call that out and hold it for accountability. And so the Southern Baptist Convention, which is a part of, part of our body of Christ, whether I like it or not, is, you know, really wrestling with some of these issues of recognizing humanity and, and holding wrong things accountable. I like the way you put that. I mean, these are these are followers of Christ. This is like this is the body of Christ. This is our extended family. You know, it's kind of like mm-hmm. when you go to Thanksgiving and it's you have that aunt. <laughs> Yes. You know, that aunt that's yes. either like, you know, homophobic or racist or whatever. And you love her, uh-huh. but you got to put up on her shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just and and just pass the pass the turkey. That's all. That. Don't talk. To yeah. Just pass the turkey. Just like, shut up. <laughs> you know, but we're at the point right now where everyone is speaking up to their aunts and uncles and grandparents and everything else. Like, like we are at that breaking point. So even if this is still a part of the great body of Christ, we still have to call it out. Mm-hmm. Like we have to call out this, you know, um, in the, in the, the same way that policy arm. Yeah, in the same way that we need to be called out and held accountable, you know, and and we need to be able to have these discussions and conversations instead of expelling each other. You know, we cut each other out. And this is something that's been happening the past four or five years in our political climate. We just cut each other off and we need to learn how to we can how we can come to the table. And that's the work I think so many of us are trying to do right now and, and that we're all struggling with. So. And once I get, I say, well, I'll say it again, you know, uh, churchclarity.org, you can find out mm-hmm. uh, where you have LGBTQ inclusive churches in your area, but also like hold your, your straight ally friends accountable, have serious discussions with them yeah. about contributing to organizations that aren't inclusive. Yeah. Amen. Well, that was that on that. We are going to be following <laughs> this story. Um, so stay tuned. Um, if you have any comments about it, make sure to uh, email us or contact us. And Azzy, now this is the part of our show. As you know, we go into our praise report and our prayer request. This is where if you have something that you are grateful to God, you can bring it up here and we will help 
uh, share in that gratitude. And if you have something that you need to ask for, uh, something that you want us to include in our prayer and our listeners to include in their prayer for you, mm-hmm. um, this is the time to mention it. So I don't know when you were listening to this, but while we were recording this, Texas has been a frozen mess. Let you know the news. Our mm-hmm. producing coordinator, Meredith, has been working in Austin, Texas and coordinating from there. And was stuck in the middle with a loss of power, food, and everything. She's okay, praise God. But we want to keep lifting up prayers for Texas. I have family. My stepbrother and his family are in Houston. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are just suffering right now. And it's going to take a long time to recover. This is something Texas never saw coming. So Mm -hmm. um, I just want to pray and have everyone please take a moment in your prayers to remember Texas. And just lift up Texas and all that they're going through right now. Yeah, there was a hundred pot car pile up on the freeway from this from the storm. People without water, without you know electricity, you know, and 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 people who are in medical need of electricity. Um, Just so, all those things that happen, it feels so you feel so hopeless. Yeah. I saw this meme that it's well, it's not a meme, but it's been going viral of this girl that was in like a four story parking lot with no other cars in the lot and right above just her car a pipe broke and froze all over her car oh in this big gosh. icy block almost like an iceberg in her car and she's just like why like we don't know why stuff like this happens and sometimes it's really hard when you're struggling um to to understand why god doesn't intervene but these are moments where um you need strength and you need strength in your faith so we want to pray for everyone uh to power through this until they get power Yeah, yeah. But we can also give praise because Texas has a big heart, honey, and the community is coming Mm -hmm. together and supporting each other. I know my sister um, had to take in a neighbor and um, uh, their daughter who is quadriplegic um, because they didn't have power, but my sister did. And so they're able to care for them. Our our producer, Meredith, talked about how um, free food was being given out, you know, um, because restaurants realized that they weren't able to be going to be able to use the food. So um, that is how much power matters until you lost it i remember the outage Mm -hmm. in new york city and water stopped running and things that you don't even know in some buildings are run by by electricity it was just madness you can't get to an atm you can't take cash out there's just so many things so we're just all of those things we're just uh praying for but we're so grateful for the heart of texas and for all of the people who have come forward um and have done great things yeah check on your neighbor protect your community be there for your community so that's a praise and so that takes us into our praise report which we have an update from beth so if you listen regularly to the podcast you may remember beth who sent us a prayer request um that she was looking for an affirming community and listening to this podcast yas jesus um was part of um her affirming community at her non-affirming job so beth uh, is reporting to us an update she says i am so happy to say i have recently quit my non-affirming job and started a yeah. new one where i can be myself and not worry about getting fired for being open about my sexuality. I have discovered the amazing community of queer Christians online who have helped me with coming out to my family and friends, and I've been able to meet some of these queer friends in person. So thank you so much for your prayers and the amazing content you put out each week. So... Oh, I love that. That is such a praise report. That's a praise report. And you know, also, um, for those of you who have iPhones, because um, at the time of this recording, it hasn't uh, spread on to uh, Android, but Clubhouse is this new app where it's all audio. And Mm -hmm. um, 
and there's there's a great queer Christian community happening on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been just little tiny rooms everywhere that I'm popping into, listening to people have awesome conversations. Um, I also applied for the LGBTQ Christian Club, so we'll see what happens with that, and maybe we can also um, have Yes Jesus spill into there. So, um, mm-hmm. if you're looking for some community and you can't even find it in your own community, and you want something that goes beyond us and other podcasts, uh, there's some live chat going on there um, about the Christian community. So we're grateful for that too. Um, Azzy, I'm mm-hmm. grateful for you. I'm oh. grateful that even this was despite, uh, the pandemic or being away from each other, we've always managed during this time to still be able to get together with our team and create Yash Jesus. And I'm super grateful for that. Yeah. Same. Uh, we're going to take a break right now, but when we get back, we're going to be back with our scripture of the day. Yes. It's soul food. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> Guess what, Azzy? Are you excited? I'm excited. Our freaking deacon, Ross Murray, has written a book. Yeah, and this book needs to be on the desk of every minister. Every minister needs this book. Whether you like it or not, LGBTQ people will always be in the church. And our ministers need to be equipped with how to show up for us. Pre-order the book, Made Known, Loved, Developing the LGBTQ Inclusive Youth Ministry with your favorite bookstore or online store today. Visit madeknownlove.org to learn more. Azzy, we're back, and you know what that means. It's time for the Scripture of the Day. Scripture of the Day. Oh, oh, oh. Scripture of the Day. Oh, oh. The worst song in the world, but still, it's soul food. (laughs) It's really hard to get that timing right. Oh, yeah, it is. But it's a Scripture of the Day. It comes from Proverbs 22.1. What is it, Azzy? A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And favor is better than silver or gold. You know, my name actually has a little bit of significance. Um, I've talked about it on the show before, but mm-hmm. my parents, uh, they converted to uh, Pentecostal from uh, Roman Catholic. And like my grandparents are furious. They were off the boat Italians. Mm-hmm. So my parents named me Daniel without a middle name because Daniel means God is my judge. And they always told me that. So that's something I've always been able to like survive knowing that the only person I really have to answer to is God. I think my middle name was a middle finger, but that's a whole nother episode. (laughs) Yeah. Your, your name is like, is that punctuation for that moment in their life of that change. Um, and so you, you serve that representation and that significance in their life. That's beautiful. It was a beautiful change. I definitely try to, you know, that's why that's my name. And as your name comes from the book of Daniel. I, my book yeah my name comes from your book um look at that's that that's true take a page out of our book that's what we're doing today we're talking and what does azariah mean do you know the, so, the meaning yeah my my dad heard it in a sermon um before i was born and he just took note of it and made a mental note to himself when i have a son one day i'm going to name him azariah and uh so it means who god helps and Lord knows I need it. And you better believe I was the Jesus freak in high school with a biblical name like that. So, um, yeah, well, that's, that's my name. That's what we're here to do today. We're going to talk about names. What's the history behind why you have the name you do? Uh, names are powerful, aren't they, Azzy? Yes, they are. I know that probably my name has evoked the help of God many, many times because Lord knows I need it. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, they are powerful. They're wrapped up in our identity in a single or at least a few words. And that's why names are bold and prominent on I on ID cards. Our names are the way that people know us. Names are usually chosen by parents. Sometimes names are chosen to reflect a family history. Being named after a relative is part of it, or our last name also reflects our family history, sometimes professions. Yeah, our names are our identities. My last name, Southworth. You know, I get to trace that back to John Southworth, St. John Southworth, a Jesuit priest who cared for the poor and the needy and then was killed. He was uh, martyred by his government at the time. Um, So they are important. And the Bible has some pretty wild naming stories. And we're going to get to share a few of them today. John the Baptist was named because an angel appeared to his father, the priest Zechariah. Zechariah was old, as was his wife Elizabeth. The angel told them that his wife would have a child and he'd be a very holy troublemaker. John asked how it was possible, given how they were so old, and the angel explained it, but also said he couldn't speak until after the child was born. Luke 1, 11 through 20. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will name him John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be the he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents and their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know that this is so? For I'm an old man and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I've been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you do not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you'll become mute, unable to speak until the days these things occur. Oh, I wish someone made my dad mute. (laughs) (laughs) The Bible doesn't say if Zachariah told Elizabeth about the name John, but when his child was born at his circumcision... Elizabeth says that his name would be John. So when Zechariah writes his agreement with Elizabeth, then he could speak again. John 1, 59 through 64. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, none of your relatives has his name. Then they begin motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. Because as if, like, you have to get the permission from the man, right? He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And all of them were amazed. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue freed and he began to speak, praising God. That's interesting. As soon as Zechariah was able to speak his son's name, he was able to speak again. Doesn't that sound Hmm. affirming and hopeful? Yeah, and then also, listen to the woman. (laughs) God will free your tongue. (laughs) We don't always use the name that we're given. We go by nicknames or more professional names. Um, So, like, I know that a lot of people like to call me Azzy Izzy. Um, AZ is one of them. Do I call you Danny. You know, this is actually interesting. Um, I I do get called Danny or Daniel. 
Um, no one really calls me Dan. My niece calls me a Gunkle Dan Dan, but that's about it. <laughs> that's um, but when they changed my name, um, it took me till I was 16 to realize that my petty uh, off the boat Italian grandfather refused to actually say Daniel. He never said my name. He'd be like, hey, big guy. Hey, you. Where's the old one? Where's the older one? He would never say my name. Because of what you represented, your name, what your name Because I was supposed to be named after him. And because of what my name represented, mm. he refused to say it. And I felt like not acknowledging my name wasn't acknowledging my identity. It was sort mm-hmm. of like the end of my relationship with my grandfather. Mm. This is most acutely felt for transgender people. Imagine constantly being aware that the name you were given doesn't reflect who you truly are. Every day you hear your given name being used and training yourself to respond to it, but it always just feels as if it's directed to someone else. I mean, you experience that, you know what that's like, uh, that experience that transgender people even feel when they find the name that fits, it marks the change in their life. But in in that name is a milestone for them, just as your name was for your parents and their life. But you know, it, it often doesn't get respected does, and often people don't want to say it like your grandpa did it's high stakes to choose a name that will reflect your true identity i think it's so much harder for a transgender person because when they have a dead name something that they just don't want to go by anymore and then that that gets bringing up it brings up so much pain and you know there's some like trolls and haters who refuse to recognize trans people by their names they publicly and intentionally use their dead name Mm -hmm. um dead name is the former name that someone doesn't use anymore they use the wrong pronouns this has happened to pretty much every high profile transgender person you know yeah but you know name changes are biblical and we're going to give you a few examples because we have examples honey it is biblical and i believe (laughs) it's biblical because And God gives us these examples in the Bible um, to show us that when you step into your true name, when you step into your true identity, you're then able to fulfill your destiny, you know? So, so for, for you have one here, you have an example of Jacob, right? Yes. First, like, let's talk about how Jacob became um, Israel. Uh, Jacob means seizing by the heel or Mm -hmm. subplanting. Jacob was the younger of twins, and he was born by grabbing onto the heel of his brother Esau. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think in the womb, just pulling, Ooh. you know, gra- that, that poor woman, gra- gra- just <laughs> poor grab, mama, just grabbing on. You're coming with me. Um, that name fit him perfectly. Jacob is a trickster. Uh, we might have to do a whole episode on Jacob and Esau. Uh, Jacob spends his youth cheating and swindling his brother Esau, but won't go into it that much here right now because but jacob manages to steal and swindle both the blessing and the birthright that is meant for esau mm-hmm. he's a real heel grabber that one yeah jacob runs away before he can face the consequences after years of grifting and hustling jacob's about to meet his brother again for the first time and this is the moment of reckoning yes the night before jacob reunites with esau jacob sleeps utterly alone he sends his servants his possessions, and even his family on ahead of him. Out of nowhere, a man appears and wrestles with Jacob. The Bible has absolutely no context for this whatsoever. Genesis thirty two twenty four. Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Now, <laughs> it sounds familiar. I've <laughs> <laughs> been in a few of those <laughs> wrestling daybreak moments myself. Here's the queer twist, and not that the random wrestling wasn't already queer enough. When this mystery man realizes he's not winning, he punches Jacob in the hip and knocks his hip out of his socket. 
In Genesis 32, 25, it says, When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of, of joint as he wrestled with him. Oh, so was this his hip or was this the equivalent of punching him in the balls? <laughs> Is this another biblical euphemism? <laughs> Good Go to the penis episode to hear more about those. <laughs> so I'll let Genesis tell the rest. In Genesis 32, verse 26 through 30, then he said, let me go for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Okay. Bless might be another euphemism. So he said uh-huh. to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. First, the mystery man was God. Ah, mm-hmm. I'm shocked. Second, God renamed Jacob as the heel grabbing subplanter to Israel, which means fighter <laughs> or God strives. Okay. So that's Jacob's story, right? We have the name change and and we see uh-huh. in Jacob's story how he becomes the embodiment of that name. But with his name change, he was able to step into the destiny that we know of as Jacob. Um, so we also have Abram and Sarai who become Abraham and Sarah. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 4 through 6, God said, As for me, This is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come for you. It's <laughs> yes, like will. the Father Abraham song. The Father Abraham song we all knew in uh, mm-hmm. yes. in, in uh, yeah. Sunday school. I like elementary school. Um, so Abram meant exalted ancestor, but Abraham meant ancestor of a multitude. So Father mm-hmm. Abraham mm-hmm. is getting a much bigger role in the lineage of Hebrews, and by extension, us Christians too. Yeah. Sarai changing her name to Sarah doesn't change a lot of meaning, since they both meant princess. But the name change happened at the same time as Abraham to signify what they are going through together. Both names reflect the reality that they are to give birth to several nations. In Genesis 17, verse 15 through 16, God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Wow. So Abraham was meant for greatness, even bigger than his own name suggested. So God changed it. Mm-hmm. That's right. God changed it. And the next example that we have is when Simon becomes Peter. Simon was a common name, meaning listen or hearing. Oh, I wonder s- if that's why the game is called Simon. You know, boop, 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 because you have to listen and hear. Oh, you mean when Simon says? That, that yeah, game? like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just called Simon. That boop, makes sense. Boop, 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 boop. But that does make sense. It makes total sense. But when Simon recognizes Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus changes Simon's name to Peter, and Peter means rock. In the book of Matthew, chapter sixteen, verse fifteen through eighteen, Jesus said to them, "But who do you say I am?" Simon Peter answered, "You are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God." And Jesus answered him. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, 
For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So Peter is the rock on which the church is built, no longer just a listener. He's now part of the foundation of our faith. He went from being the listener because he was Simon, and now he is the rock because he is Peter, and he was able to step into that destiny. Oh, hi. I, I love Peter think about that all day. All <laughs> <laughs> Our final example of a biblical name change, Saul becomes Paul. Oh, boy. Here we go. Saul is a good Jewish name, meaning asked for, prayed for. Saul was a Pharisee, a teacher and enforcer of the law. He was not into the new Christian movement, believing that it was a threat to the Jewish faith. When he was young, he was present when Stephen, one of the early followers, was stoned to death. He approved of the execution and started persecuting Christians using that example. So not a good person. Someone we had no, to fear. No, 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 no. Yeah, we didn't like Saul. Saul was that bottom in town that no one liked. <laughs> <laughs> but when Saul was traveling to Damascus, a city that is still in Syria today, he had a conversion experience. He sees a blinding light and hears the voice of Jesus. He converts and becomes a Christian, now starting to proclaim the good news of Jesus. So it was after that when Saul's name starts to shift over to Paul. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't happen for a while after his conversation. But by the time we get to all the letters that he wrote in the New Testament, Saul has pretty much become Paul. Yeah. And what does Paul mean? According to one Hebrew website, it means a small whisper that propagates into a roaring multitude. Oh, that's beautiful. That sort of sounds that. like a Paul, doesn't it? it sounds like a Paul. <laughs> so he went from the bottom in town that no one liked to the top that everyone was seeking. <laughs> okay, I don't know I'm going to let that go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Someone asked me on, on Instagram, do you think Saul was... Uh, uh, true or false was Saul a bottom and Paul a top or, you know, like, so that's where I'm, I'm getting oh, that okay, information okay. from. So no one, no, no one here is following that except for me. And I'm just getting a good chuckle of it. So thank you for being on that journey with me, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but all these name changes are at major turning points in someone's life. They aren't the only biblical examples of name changes, but they really do show how common name changes are. So, to all those who are harassing transgender people by refusing to call them by their name, go read your scripture. Mm -hmm. It happens a lot. God does yeah. it. Yeah. And the really cool thing is that many biblical names have a special meaning behind it. Often you'll see it in the text, the meaning of the name. But even with all this emphasis on names, we don't know the name of God. God doesn't want to give his own name away. Yeah. Remember the wrestling match between God and Jacob we talked about earlier? Oh, yeah. I'm still hot thinking about that <laughs> God on man wrestling action. <laughs> well, after the wrestling match, Israel asked the mystery man what his name was. But the mystery man, God, won't give it. In Genesis 32, 29 through 30. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. So when you say my name, you're going to get blessed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Likewise, when Moses is having a conversation with a burning bush in Exodus, who, spoilers, also God, Moses asked God, who should I say sent me? And the bush, also God, answers, 
I am who I am. We see this in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 through 14. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Doesn't Popeye say I am what I am? (laughs) Uh, Just a note, in Hebrew, the translation of I am who I am can also be I am what I am or I will be what I will be. Yeah. And God can't even stay in one tense. God can't be contained, named, or defined. And God is pretty darn queer. And these stories are all examples of how we can't step into our true selves and destinies until we come into our own name. Huh, I love that. As Araya. As the Raya. Danny Daniel. <laughs> oh, you guys, for our tithe, love offering, charity, act of good. Huh? There are some rituals and ceremonies that some LGBTQ Christian leaders have developed for someone who is going through a name change. Go look a few up. Maybe send them to your own church because they might need a prayer or a little ritual to affirm someone who is going through a name change. Closing prayer. We have a special guest closing us out in prayer today, and she knows a little something about name changes. From Drag Race to Broadway, now here at Yas Jesus, here's Peppermint closing us out in prayer. Hey, everyone. (laughs) I thought a lot about this week's theme, the theme of names, name changing and identities. And it made me think a lot about the community, gender nonconforming people, trans people, and the queer community. I think a lot of people in our community are anxious, at least from what I've seen, to assume a new name, change certain aspects about who we may have been when we were growing up in our hometowns. Because for a lot of people, not all, those identities, those names are associated with Things that either hurt us or humiliate us or even bad memories. And so I think it's not uncommon for queer people in general to want to turn over a new leaf, get out of their towns and find their tribe, their people. But for trans people, it can be even more crucial. And I remember um, I didn't really take it that seriously, needing or wanting to choose a new name until I'd actually started my medical transition. And then by that time, I realized that there were people who weren't going to accept my new name, my new pronouns, and my new identity. And that was a new way for me to get hurt, even in this on this new page that I was turning. And so I was kind of stepping into a new world where I would continue to be potentially harassed and humiliated and have my feelings hurt. And so that was really tough for me to to get, wrap my mind around. Eventually I did because I knew that this was important to do for myself. And, you know, I think the the biggest kind of hurdle that I faced, I spoke about this recently. I was in an airport traveling and I hadn't gotten my new uh, ID, documentation, travel documents. And so in the airport, I was humiliated and basically made to remove my my hair and my wig so that they could see and believe that I was the same person on the document and on the ID and on the picture. And it's not, it wouldn't have changed, but 
Um, that was a really um, scary moment for me. I was in a foreign country. And so I, with that in mind, wrote this prayer for people who are queer, gender nonconforming, and especially folks who are trans. To all in the community, I pray for you. The clarity of heart and mind to research everything you need to make sure that your environment and your support circle is safe and secure and ready for you. I pray for you the serenity to know and understand that your future path and whatever changes you may encounter along the way will enrich your life and make you stronger should you choose to walk it. I also pray for you the understanding that the identity and the name that you choose to express bring you closer to who you were truly meant to be and closer to fulfilling your purpose and therefore closer to the creator. These things in the Lord's name, I pray for you. Amen. God, we want to thank you for knowing us by name. We want to thank you for calling each of us by name. And thanks for giving us all the name child of God. Lord, we ask that uh, we extend our prayer and and our, all of our energy to everyone in Texas. We know how hard it is right now, and we know that recovery is not going to be happening for a really long time, and we just want to pray that you give them strength and clarity during this time. And we also lift up the Southern Baptist Convention in prayer. As much as I do not like them as an institution, Lord, you know <laughs> I don't like them. They are our brothers and our sisters and our genderqueer siblings. And they are going through a hard time right now. And some of them, like our brother, Russell Moore, who has really done the work of saying what needed to be said at the right time. We pray that you give him the strength to keep speaking the truth to the power, even when it's difficult. And we pray that the Southern Baptist Convention will really do the work of trying to listen to you and what your heart is and what is right. Because rejecting people is never right. And we know that. We see that in your example that you sent to us through Jesus. And we give you thanks for Beth, who is at a new job and surrounded now with a supportive community. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Yash Jesus. You can find us on social media at Yash Jesus Pod or on our website at YashJesusPod.com. You can now leave an audio prayer request or praise report on our website, YashJesusPod.com. We would love to share your voice and your prayers on the show, so drop us a line or send us a recording on YashJesusPod.com. Send us your praise reports, your prayer requests, episode ideas, guest ideas, or even just a, hey, what's your name? We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> Yash Jesus is hosted by me, Danny Franzese, and Azariah Southworth. Music, sound, editing, and all things audio are done by Chris Heckman. Our show is produced by the freaking Deacon Ross Murray. Special thanks to Sophie Serrano and Meredith Pauly. Yash Jesus is brought to you by Oddity. Oddity execs are Ryan Lochner, Jessica Bastillos, and Steve Michaels. Keep praising the Lord, y'all!